start using cutting-edge warp speed 5G technology with your cell phone. Let me tell you about my friends at MobileMobile.io. They have an ultra-fast 4G LTE and 5G network that covers 99% of Americans. So they've got you covered everywhere. Think about it for a moment. You have the opportunity to take a test drive for 10 days with unlimited talk, text, and premium data. What is premium data? Premium data is an allotment of a cellular data that you receive from a higher priority on the network. You won't get throttled like you will with some of those, well, non-brand service providers. To find out more information, all you have to do is go to mobilemobile.io. That's mobilemobile.io to start your 10-day free trial. Broadcasting live from the Safety FM studios in Orlando, Florida, here is your host, Dr. Jay Allen on Safety FM. This episode of the broadcast and the podcast is brought to you by Safety Focus Moment. They're consultants that want to help you get the safety culture you've been looking for. For more information, go to safetyfocusmoment.com. Hello and welcome to Safety FM. This is Jay Allen. I hope everything's going well inside of your organization. As for me, I continue to do the things that I do, run around, run around, run around, and that's about it. I do a lot of running around and sometimes I'm in the eastern side of the United States and sometimes on the western side of the United States and sometimes I'm not even sure where I'm at. Anyways, not to bore you with that information, but let's talk about what's going on today. Today, I have a very interesting conversation with a young lady by the name of Katie Romo. Now, Katie is someone who I discovered on a show called The Accidental Safety Pro with Jill James. And yes, just in case if you were wondering, that is a show that streams live on safetyfm.live and on safetyfm.com and of course the Safety FM app. Once I actually heard that particular interview that Katie had done with Jill James on The Accidental Safety Pro, I knew that I had to have her on to the show. Now, take a listen to what Katie has to say, her approach to safety. Now, keep in mind that she is starting new into this career path of safety. I really think that she has an interesting approach when it comes to safety. Enjoy it here today on Safety FM. You are listening to a renowned safety expert, Dr. Jay Allen on Safety FM. Changing safety cultures. One broadcast and one podcast at a time. Join the fun on social media and find us on Facebook at Safety FM. Yeah, totally. No, I don't mind at all. Um, I, I love to talk. It's, you know, my one of my biggest downfalls. So, yeah, I don't mind at all. Um, I just hope I'm interesting enough. I mean, you've had some really, really wonderful guests. I'm, I'm uh, I was listening to Dr. Geller's um, episode this morning and um, he, you know, I, he's very cool. So I was, I, I'm honored to be joining the ranks. Oh, I'll, I'll put it to you this way. He was one of my most nerve wracking interviews because I had admired him for such a long period of time. So it was just one of those things that when I had him on the phone, I was so nervous and I just thought it was kind of funny. <laughs> At the time, but the the funny thing was that I actually had met him at the American Society of Safety Professionals, and yeah. I was actually in a class for Dr. Tim Ludwig, 
And okay. when Geller came in, I kind of was like, oh, my God, it was like that panic moment of and I'm not starstruck by a lot of things, but I was starstruck yeah. by by Dr. Geller. And when well, he came he's, in, he's so amazing. Yeah. I mean, it's it's so interesting, his story. And I'm sitting there and I'm talking and I'm talking to him and I turn around and I said, hey, I, I have a I wanted to ask you a couple of questions if you don't mind. And he's like, hold on, I'll be right there. I'm just going to sit with you. And he sat oh, with me wow. and I was like, oh, my God. And That's you know, so cool. it was just one of those moments because I have been teaching for a long period of time, a national safety council training. And he uh -huh. has this whole section where he's on these videos where it's like the pay it formed mentality. So, yeah. I, so of course, I had my fanboy moment and freaked out. And then I was oh, like, totally. And then I was like, uh, will you come on my podcast? And he turns around and he goes, I probably won't remember. But if you send me an email, I will. <laughs> and I sent Whoa. him an, I sent him an email. He had no problem ever since then. We've been we've been in some contact. I won't say we are we're constantly in contact, but he sent me a good chunk of books of stuff that he has written. Um, sent me all wow. kinds of bracelets. So I, you know, I was really shocked and honored that he would even come on, especially with with his background. Yeah, I mean, you know, I guess we we think about you know in in the academic world and in the professional world as well. You know, we all have our heroes and our people that we really like and they're you know it's not like meeting the rolling stones it might feel like it to us but it's you know they're regular people too and you know they're probably just as surprised as we would be if the roles were reversed like oh wow you you know you're you're interested in what i do and i know he's been around forever so i'm sure he's kind of used to it by now but you know wow what a nice guy no he's an extremely nice guy and keep in mind he's been doing this for about 50 years in total. yeah that's forever, <laughs> that's forever. <laughs> uh -oh. But, you know, and here's, here's what I like, you know, I think that there's people that we have to look to that have actually really done a lot of work. And I'm not saying, you know, that looking back at his work is invaluable because I think his work is great. But I think that it's something that you build off of, if that makes sense. Totally. Oh, yeah. absolutely. It's a, the most wonderful foundation for behavior based safety that's going to, you know, launch so many new ideas and theories and ways of practicing. He's he couldn't have done more for us. You know, it's, it's incredible, but yeah, it'll always evolve. So as you look at that, if you don't mind me asking, yeah, do you look at behavior-based safety the way that you look at safety or do you look at this human organizational performance or what would you say is your methodology of safety, especially now starting into this safety career, quote unquote? <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely someone who is very people first oriented, um, I think that, you know, you, you can't really do safety without being involved in the behavior based part of it. And, um, you know, when, when we were in school, we were taught don't blame the worker. And I think that's really true, but it's also, you have to involve the worker in all kinds of, you know, um, improvements that you're going to make or initiatives because at the end of the day, it affects them the most. And so I'm, I'm really interested in, uh, behavior based safety and, and just people in general and why they do what they do and, you know, kind of what makes them tick and talk. And sometimes I look back and wonder, I'm like, should I have gone to, you know, school for a little bit of psychology as well, just because it is such a huge part of what we do. Um, but it's, I think for me, it's probably the most important part of my job is, you know, building the behaviors. So as you look at some of the stuff that you've done course wise, of course, having a bachelor's degree and having a master's degree, do you feel that you'll go back for a PhD or do you think that you'll stay where you're at and just kind of just do some of these, we'll say like online courses or even courses where you can go to? Um, I, I will never say never because I mean, <laughs> if you had asked me 10 years ago, if I, you know, what I was going to be doing in 10 years, I would have been like, I'm not going back to school. You know, I was 
I love learning, but I kind of hate school. I'm not a great student, as I have said in the past. But um, uh, a, a PhD is not out of the game for me. I, I'm a little hesitant just because I know there's not a lot of options if you want to continue to practice while you're getting your PhD. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it'd be a wonderful thing. And education is so important to me. So, um, you know, certainly while I'm kind of, you know, taking a little break from school, I, I want to continue to learn. And I, you know, I'm always trying to, you know, read new publications or, um, you know, read books about our field, just because it's important to continue learning and, you know, build your repertoire and find new ways to look at things. Well, the interesting part is when I had the conversation with Dr. Lusheen, he was telling me that he had a car ride with someone and that was the moment that he realized that he was going to proceed to go after getting his actual PhD. So I always think really? that it's, yeah, that's what, that's what he told me during our interview. So I, so I thought it was interesting. So I always look at it and I go, you know, when is that moment that people decide that they want to go further? So what was the decision that you made with, I have my bachelor's environmental management emphasis and of course, safety and health. And then all of a sudden you said, I'm going to continue on and do the master's aspect. Uh, for me, I mean, my, my hopefully fingers crossed someday goal is to, you know, be a professor. Um, not really sure if I want to do that full time or just, you know, teach a little bit on the side. And so, um, I kind of came into that realization shortly after I finished my, my internship at the beginning of my career, I realized that what I was really passionate about and what I was, you know, had a little bit of a natural knack for is, um, you know, doing safety training and teaching people. And I, I really love, you know, helping people learn things and, you know, the education side is just so important to me. And so I spoke to one of my professors at Whitewater about next steps. I, I spoke to Dr. Lusheen, but then I also spoke to um, Dr. Vosberg, who's fantastic and has been a wonderful mentor for me as well. And they both kind of gave me, you know, their own take on things and said, you know, well, if you're, if you're really interested in teaching, you know, you've, you've got to get a little more education under your belt. Um, and I was like, oh, well, you know, I don't really want to take time off of work and whatnot. And they were like, well, conveniently, you can get your master's degree online. And that worked out so well for me. So, you know, um, it was just really nice as well to, you know, be kind of building that in the back of my mind, but also get the 2.0 version of my bachelor's degree. And um, I've said it before that, uh, you know, your bachelor's degree is something you get because you feel like you have to, but your master's degree is because you want to. And so I got to, you know, be a little more involved. I think I felt like I was you know, actually trying a lot harder than I had in my, my undergraduate years. So, um, you know, it, it slowly became something that I, I wanted to do not only, you know, to, to have those letters in the, the street cred, uh, but, you know, to just continue to learn and, and be involved. Well, I have to tell you, when you first started answering that and you said version 2.0, I thought you were going to say your GPA was 2.0 and I was going to be like, wow, that's going to be a, a, no. a, a totally different conversation if you want to become a professor. So, No, definitely not. <laughs> it, it's, no I've never actually had a 2.0, but I've, I've definitely, you know, not done well in, in classes before. But I've I found that just as I've gotten older and a little more mature, um, things have gotten easier. And I was always really bad at math. Um like I was just horrible at it. And I remember taking statistics and I had a really like small stats class in college where we were got along with our professor really well. And I used to tell him, it's like, Oh, I'm professor Mark. I am allergic to this class. I have to go home. And he's like, no, you're, you're just trying to get out of it. You know, you just got to suck it up and, and stick with it. And, um, I, I couldn't believe that, you know, here we were four years later and I was doing my, my final capstone research project on statistics, uh, with Dr. Lusheen guiding me through it. And it was just like, you know, wow, I, I, feel like such a different person and you know if i can do it anybody can do it it was just you know really cool to to kind of completely change in a way and just get better 
So as you have these mentors that are helping you out and you're doing so well, do you ever look at it and like you're ha- you have your master's degree? Do you ever feel that people think hold you to like a different level and they don't realize as I mean, I can say this also as a safety professional that I don't have all the answers that you oh, have yeah. to that we all have to do research. And I mean, I would love to sit here and go, oh, yes, I know everything about safety, but that's not really the case. But do you ever feel that that's how some people might approach you? Um, not so much for me. I think I'm, I'm lucky that I'm, I'm young enough in my career that, you know, people don't expect me to know everything. I think sometimes they expect me to be a, a thinks I know it all type of person, but I actually don't really tell a lot of people that I work with that I have a master's degree or that I took the ASP exam and passed. Um, because to me, I, I, you know, it, it affects my work, but it, you know, it doesn't make me, I, I would say any better at my job than many of the, the EHS professionals that I've worked with. Um, but, you know, I, I I have to use it right now as kind of a way to buy my own credibility. Uh, I'm doing some some air sampling for um, uh, uh, some office workers who are, you know, kind of upset about the dust conditions in their, their office. And somebody kind of warned me. They're like, oh, they're not going to believe you. I'm like, well, I guess I could put the letters after my name and tell them, you know, I'm, I'm held to a little bit higher standard. And, you know, I, I do have the, the educational background, but you know, also an industrial hygienist is guiding me through this, but you know, I, otherwise I guess I don't really bring it up a lot because it, it's kind of the academic side of me. And it's, it's, I'm, I'm a, a really, I don't want to say like, I'm a really humble person. Cause I feel like that sounds kind of goofy, but, um, I, I have a lot of pride in my education and what I've accomplished, but I don't want it to come off as, you know, overly confident or, um, you know, kind of giving me a head full of hot air, if you will. So a little bit, sometimes maybe. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I can understand what you're saying because I remember when I first got my doctorate, I, the first day, of course, I, everybody had to call me doctor because it was the first day. That's just yeah. kind of, that's kind of the way that it goes. Yeah. But then I started having conversations with people and I became extremely shy in regards of really referencing it because I had noticed that when I was having conversations with people and family members or someone else would reference, oh, he has a PhD, all of a sudden the conversation changed. And really? yeah, and it was like, we have to pretend like we're interact intellectuals. I'm just looked at it and I go, I'm still the same person. I'm not, yeah. diff- I'm not different. Um, yeah. I still am as sarcastic as I normally am, even though my, most people might not believe that they listen to this, but it's just one of those things that it didn't change me as a person. I just, I looked at it that it, I took just a different approach to the way that I had my thought process, but i never sat there and was like, oh, yes, call me Mr. Allen or call me Dr. Allen. It was just yeah. one of those things that I never understood why people make such a big deal. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of work. Don't get me wrong. But it's just oh, one of those things that it's so different on how people treat you. And I, I think that's so true. Well, the funny part is I've had a lot of companies contact me in regards of we want to give you this for free as long as you mention it or reference this. And I'm just like, eh, that's not my gig. And I have a lot of people and not to be braggadocious as people would say on here that, w- <laughs> that want to actually come on and like, and give me stuff and do stuff in regards of me to promote it on the podcast. And I just look at her and I go, if I don't believe in your product, I'm not going to say it. And yeah, a, a lot of people have a, a lot of people have a hard time with that because they're like, well, we're going to give you, I'm like, no, not worth it to me. Definitely. I appreciate that. You know, it's, it's important to not lose your, your sense of right and wrong just because, you know, you, you get alphabet soup after your name. Right. 
And, you know, I have to tell you, when I listened to your podcast, when you were on Jill James, I was so excited just listening to your approach on safety and, you know, just how vibrant you were in regards of just the different aspects. And I won't go into the um, the cow washer story, even though I thought it was hilarious <laughs> at, the, at the time. But I look at it and I don't know if you've given any thought to this, but you could be the young voice of safety if you really wanted to go down that path. I'm, I'm so honored that you said that. I mean, it's definitely something I've, I've considered, you know, in the past. My mom made a joke once. Uh, one of my cousins is um, went to school for animation and um, had given me a gift once where she, you know, drew a photo of my dog and I, and it was like my birthday present. And my mom was kind of like, you could make animated safety videos and be like this voice of safety. And I was like, you know, that's, it's so cute. But, um, you know, for me, it's, it's something that I, I just try and kind of, you know, I guess, share you know why safety is important in all parts of your life and um i'm finding that that gets easier the the older i get uh but um when people you know say oh you know you're 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 sort of young but you you know you have a a lot of wisdom too i'm like really because sometimes i don't feel that way and so that just that made my day thank you (laughs) (laughs) well i mean i look at it this way and you have to understand that a lot of people that are starting to get into the practice, they would rather approach somebody within their same age demographic than an old man like myself. So that's the way that I kind of look at it. So (laughs) sometimes I know that people think that I'm nuts when I start saying stuff like this, but I just really think that you have that uniqueness to the whole thing. And I'm not up here trying to blow smoke. I'm just letting you know that I just think that you have such a different approach and, Thank you. and the way that you look at it, and I know this sounds like I'm totally kissing your rear end here, but that's not really the oh, case. <laughs> but I, I just want to be, I, I just want to make sure that you understand that. But it's just one of those things that I think that if you have, like I said, a different approach that you could actually bring to, to the, to the side of safety that most people don't have, because you have to keep in mind that when you start looking at people, which in, within my age demographic, they're considered like old people that are doing it. And I just think that you oh, could yeah. do it diff- that you could do it differently, and I just sold you for like the last five minutes. So I apologize about that. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't mind at all. <laughs> no, that's that's um. You know, it's it's kind of interesting you mentioned that because um. You know, I think for me it was it was really important to me that when I began my career, you know, I acknowledged to people the fact that you know I want to be respectful of of everyone's experience and knowledge. Um. You know, I I have so much to learn from a CNC machinist who has been you know, operating these machines for the last 15 years. And I'd be a fool if I, you know, thought I knew more than them, but we kind of, I've kind of built this, this way of operating where, you know, you lean on me and I'll lean on you and it'll work out pretty well. And, um, a couple of years ago, I kind of got to this point where, you know, and I think I told Jill this, you know, you can't play anybody as well as you can play yourself. And I, I found that, you know, being like everybody else just wasn't really working for me. And so I was like, you know what, I'm going to do some things my way. And sometimes it's backfired a little bit, but uh, a few years ago I had to do um, root cause training for incident investigations. And I really, I just didn't feel like using the same incidents that we talked about for years. So I decided that I was going to do um, a root cause analysis of Jurassic park. And at first everybody kind of looked at me like I was insane. They were like, is this, is this really happening in safety training? And I was like, yep, we're, we're going to go there. Let's talk about it. And some people were not really into it, but you know, everybody kind of understands the gist of Jurassic park. I think, you know, there's these dinosaurs and it, you know, they all escape and you know, we, we have to get through it and survive. And, um, it turned into, um, quite an adventure. I shared it with some of my coworkers and, um, some of the other EHS professionals were like, yeah, people in my class, like 
I had to call time because they just couldn't stop arguing about what the real root cause of this this incident was. And, you know, it's something I never would have thought to to create, but I'm really glad that you shared that. And I'm like, oh, okay, good. My weirdness is finally paying off a little bit. So, you know, sometimes I, I just try and like, you know, what would I like to do? Not everybody likes to sit through safety training for the 50th time. So I'm just like, you know, I'm kind of tired of talking about the same stuff. So let's do something different. And um, sometimes it goes really well and other times it really backfires. But, you know, I like it. <laughs> Well, then I would probably give you a recommendation. I don't know if you're familiar with a young lady by the name of Andrea Baker, but she has something that she does similar that it's kind of like the Matrix story. And it's it's the red and the blue pill. And you can find her at thehopmentor.com. But she has some very interesting information um, that she proposes when she goes into an organization. Um, and I think that it might be some one of those things that if you do take a listen to what she has to say, you might like the approach. I'm, I'm sure I just made a note. That sounds really, really cool. I love stuff like that. I think it's just, you know, it's good to be different. And she really has one of those aspects that it's like a heart of a teacher when she has the conversations and you don't really feel like you're going through a lecture, if that makes sense. I yeah, will, t- I will, t- I will tell you, I actually sat here and I interviewed with her. And when I was doing the interview, she said one portion on there that I could almost felt like I was, or I felt at the time that I was like being glued to the chair with how serious it got. And I told her, which I thought was kind of funny. And of course she laughed at me, but that's perfectly that's fine. Awesome. <laughs> but yeah, absolutely. I would say that you have some similarities there. So what do you see going down your path here so far? And I know I normally don't like to tell people, you know, where the places that you work, unless that's something that you, mm-hmm. that you want to do. What exactly do you see your trajectory on doing? Where, what is your end goal? Um, well, you know, someday I'd like to teach, but, uh, uh, like I told Jill, you know, it took me quite a while to find the right place. And, um, I mean, for me right now in, in, you know, winter of 2019, I, I cannot believe that I'm here, um, at this point in my career, you know, speaking with you and having spoken with Jill on her show, I mean, February of 2018, I felt like a total zero. I mean, I had just come out of a role where I just felt like I was, you know, I couldn't do the right thing. And it was, you know, I was always messing up and I just felt like an idiot all the time. And, you know, it, it took me a long time to, to build my confidence back. That was really challenging for me because I, I left that role. Like, you know, I'm done with safety. I, I, I stink at it. I don't want to do this anymore. And it was kind of like, well, you've done all these things to work on your career in safety. So you, you know, stick it out a little longer, see if you can make it work. And, um, where I'm at right now is uh, a company that makes, um, like high speed bottling equipment. And they really, really like my approach, I think, because they, um, they're a German owned company. And at first I was very kind of by the book with them. They were kind of like, no, you know, put your personality into things. And, you know, we want something a little more personal. And I was like, awesome. That's what I like to do. So, um, currently I'm, I'm trying to like, I don't want to say pioneer because that's not really fair, but I'm really interested in, um, the, the part of safety where we uh, have to make safety programs for uh, service technicians. Um, Cause you know, I have a manufacturing site, but then I have about 200 plus employees that travel all the time, all over the world to work on equipment and you know, they're cowboys and that's the nature of their work. And I'm okay with that, but you know, it's a, it's a lot more for them about, you know, teaching them the way to behave safely versus, you know, here's this new rule. You have to do it this way. I want you to wear this, you know, do that and say this and write this down, but because it just doesn't work for them. So I, and, and as I'm kind of working on building this program with them, I've been trying to find some other resources that can, you know, see if anyone else has already done it to, you know, so I don't have to reinvent the wheel, but, um, 
it seems to be kind of a, a growing focus and safety as well. You know, we have service technicians that are out here that, you know, need safety programs that fit the bill of what they're going to do. Um, you know, I've, I've currently got two separate fall protection programs or two separate lockout takeout programs because some of my crew works on equipment, you know, at home and the rest are working on it out on the road. So it's definitely a challenge and I'm, I'm really happy and interested to see where that takes me and what, you know, I can share with others, you know, if I have the chance about, you know, hey, how to keep those cowboys from falling out of the saddle. Well, I guess let me propose, I guess let me propose this question to you. Have you ever heard of something called the black line, blue line theory? The black line, blue line. Mm -hmm. No, I don't think so. Okay. So the black line is normally a process that is written by somebody who works at a corporate office and they refer to it as work imagined. So Uh the way that people believe it from a corporate office, uh, office standpoint on how it should be done. And then you have the blue line, which is normally how the work is done and worked around that black line. So, you know, you might've been through one of those trainings where you'll go somewhere and they'll say, well, they want you to do it like this, but this is how we really do it instead. And what I have actually come to the realization throughout my career is if you normally go to the worker and ask them for assistance on how should this really be done, they'll give you a lot better information than somebody trying to sit behind a desk and creating it. Oh, absolutely. I completely agree with that. I really like the black line blue line that's what you call it i like yes. that that's awesome and it's one of those things that if you ever look into a what we call a version of safety that's called human and organizational performance some people call it that some people call it human performance just depending on mm-hmm. where you're looking at it it just has some different aspects and it can, different aspects on how you can look at safety is the way that i really look at it and it just has some very interesting concepts on how it works and i'm not trying to convert you from one to the other or anything to that extent but it's just one of those things that i always think that once a lot of people hear the information it becomes so different than what they normally look at in safety i I really like that because i think that's so important you know we've i mean i'm sure everyone's been through this as well where you know you're you're giving this course and you can kind of just see it on their faces that they're like, yeah, we're not going to do that. And it's, it's frustrating to me. And that's why I don't really like to teach things that way. And I, you know, we, we have to, you know, comply with the law and we have to do what's right and do it safe. But, you know, if we work together, we can find a way that makes sense for the actual people that have to do it. That also, you know, allows us to be safe and meet our requirements and, you know, not break laws. So, um, it, it can be really tough sometimes to be like, you know, Hey, this, this policy just isn't working out or this, the way you've written this just doesn't work. You know, it's beautiful and you, you've put so much hard work into it, but let's revisit it a little bit. Right. I have had this whole dream for a long period of time. If an organization would make something similar to like what you would consider a wiki where they can go in, look up a particular, let's say, for instance, a policy that the company has or a procedure and then potentially question it. And by making that question go into place, it would trigger something inside of your system where somebody in return would answer them and say, hey, this makes this makes sense or it doesn't make sense. And of course, you know, you have to limit it, especially depending on the size of the company. I mean, if you have like a couple hundred thousand people, it's going to be very difficult for somebody to manage that unless you have a bot that's doing it and who wants to do that. I love that idea. That's that's actually really cool. And I'm going to stick that in my back pocket and bring it up because we're we're always looking to, you know, to make things more accessible. That's my one of the things I've been working on a lot and um you know, this past year is, uh, you know, making safety intuitive, making it easy, especially for my service guys, because they don't, you know, they're not going to sit and 
look up something on their computer. You know, how can I keep it in their back pocket? How can I make it easy? And um, I mean, I live on Wikipedia. I'm, I want to know everything about a topic that I'm interested in. It's, you know, the bane of my existence is that desire. And like, people don't like Wikipedia. I love it. I mean, it's, it's a good way to get the basic facts about something you need to know. And I think that's such a cool idea that you just mentioned that you could have, you know, something like that for an organization where then you could question it though. And, you know, ask these page moderators, you know, Hey, what does this mean? Or could I do it this way? I think that's such a great way to share knowledge and just make good change. Yeah. I mean, I just, uh, I've thought about that in just regards of, it would just be such a different aspect, but of course you would have to, like I said, change it based on the size of the company. Oh yeah. The other thing that I, that I always look at is when I start thinking about safety is I have such a hard time when I go into an organization and I'm trying to assist and they turn around and they kind of like blame the worker for like issues and they go, Oh, if we had a better style worker, we wouldn't have these problems. So I always, I always, <laughs> I always kind of find it funny. Yeah. That's, that's always goofy. I really, you know, I, and I think one of the, the things that has really changed for me in the way that I practice safety is, you know, it, I started out being like, oh, you know, it's not personal. It's not personal. Well, it is. At the end of the day, it is. Safety is so personal. You know, if if I came up to you and, you know, you had just cut your finger on something and I, you know, really, you know, just laid into you about you did this wrong or that wrong. That's not cool. Not only did you just hurt your finger, but now you, you know, you've been humiliated. You don't feel like you're being treated fairly. You know, you, you can't take that personal element completely away from it. And, um, I mean, I just, you can't blame people for stuff like that. You know, you've got to hold people accountable to, you know, policies and procedures, you know, if they're breaking rules, you've, you've got to, you know, use your discipline procedures and whatnot. But I mean, I think you, you really can't, you know, just say that people are the problem all the time. Like I remember being blamed for the dumbest things in the past that were just so frustrating to me. It was like, this isn't helping me be better. This is just stressing me out. This is just you know, making me feel dumb or, you know, like nothing I do is ever going to be the right thing. It just, how does blaming me for everything help? I mean, I remember asking a, a boss of mine once cause he was upset about um, an, an injury that happened on, you know, a machine. And it was like, we really thought we had everything in place. And it turned out we, there was like this one tiny loophole that we missed and, and a gentleman was, was injured, thankfully not severely or anything, but you know, it was, it was something where we thought it was guarded wonderfully. And he was like, you know, you should have been there and you should have done something differently. And I asked him, would you like me to stand in front of machines and slap hands away? I can be that human machine guarding, but only for one person at a time. And he, he wasn't, and, and you know, he wasn't super thrilled about it, but it was kind of like this. I need you to understand what you're asking of me, you know, what you're holding me accountable to. I, I can't live here. I can't, you know, be that, that constant thing. You know, I have a life outside of work and, while I love safety so much, you know, I, it's at the end of the day, it's, it's something that everybody has to be responsible for, not just me. And I'm not going to hold, you know, one person solely accountable for this. Just like, it's not fair for you to do that to me. Right. Yeah. And, it, and was, that, it was weird. It and was weird. And that's what I find interesting because what ended up taking place is that we tend to get into this mode where we think that if we do a retraining and we say the training louder, people are going to listen better and that's going to change anything. But oh gosh, so true. When I look at it, and I'm, you see, now I'm going to start going to start sounding now like I'm trying to preach to you. But the five concepts, I don't of, mind. The, the five concepts that I normally try to use when it comes to actually the whole safety concept is error is normal because mm -hmm. you're going to have failures, even with your greatest person inside of your organization. They can be yeah. quote unquote the, the the safest person, but they're still going to have a problem. They're going to cause an error, and that's perfectly fine. And then we have this whole aspect where we feel like we're going to need to blame somebody and we're going to feel better off of blaming someone. 
And that's not yeah. always the always the case either. And I, I think agree. and I think that if we take a look at the whole thing and we look at how our system is, that system will drive the behavior of the organization. Yeah, I I, I just did the biggest smile. Um, one of the things that Dr. Lusheen has taught me that I know everybody else, I guess, that always sticks in the back of my head is, you know, find the fault in the system. You know, it's it's not always human error. You know, find what's not working and fix it. Mm-hmm. And, and I always it, love that. And we'll be right back with Katie Romo after we check in with Steve Sisson here on Safety FM. I have Steve Sisson on the line from Safety Talk. Steve, what do you got going on this week? Oh, this week we got uh, Danny Goff with Driver Reach. Um, they're they're developed a product out there that uh, can help you uh, recruit and uh, retain your drivers. So I not to kind of ruin everything, but what's kind of the highlight here on the conversation? So this is more for the transportation industry. Yeah, definitely for transportation and driver uh, retention and recruiting. Um, they've got a good platform they use that really helps you stay uh, stay in touch with your drivers, um, especially the ones that you are trying to recruit um, and reduce the uh, reduce the recruiting time from sometimes weeks to days. Um, we all know that in the transportation industry that uh, we uh, tend to lose drivers if we don't move quick enough. And this technology is really helping the industry out. Make sure to turn on Steve Sisson with Safety Talks here on Safety FM. If you love them enough to sit through their favorite boy band with them, then surely you'll check NHTSA.gov slash the right seat to make sure they're correctly buckled in the back seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ag Council. And that's the funny part because that leads to the next portion where learning is vital. What you learn from that system is so important. And then your leaders, the way that they respond to, you know, X failure, mm-hmm. that's going to be such a key factor into what your workers are going to do going forward. Oh, yeah. And I just think those, I think those five concepts and then they're really straight stolen from the Department of Energy. Mm-hmm. Um, if you actually take a look at those, I think that they bring such a value into an organization. And I know that a lot of people believe in behavior based safety and this other version that they refer to as human organizational performance. Yeah. It's just, it's so different because it's becomes that whole thing is that safety is not the absence of accidents. Safety is the presence of defenses or capacity or capacity. So if you can build safeguards inside of the system and come to the realization that, yeah, errors are going to occur, but I'd rather somebody injure their hand or injure their finger than have them die. Correct. Absolutely. I think that's that's something that I, I need to hear at times in my life. I get really, you know, I'm I get really I don't want to say emotional. I'm not not so much like that, but I, I I feel really bad or really guilty, you know, if I've made a mistake because you know I, I really love the people I work with and I, I have so much passion for my job and for you know the organization I'm with and I'll I'll be really upset if I feel like oh you know I fall short or whatever. But I I try not to just you know make excuses or make apologies and like, you know, what could I have done differently? And, you know, I like to ask that question or anytime I get, you know, I present something or make a request and I get told no, I'm like, okay, why? Because that's going to be so much more valuable to me than, you know, just saying, Oh, you know, they said, no, that really stinks. I guess it's back to the drawing board. It's like, no, tell me why so that I can better tailor my next request. I think that helps a lot. So I like this failure is normal idea. That makes me feel pretty good. (laughs) I mean, and, and that's what you have to look at is what's the value to you and what you can bring. And keep in mind that as a safety professional, as you are fully aware, you're not going to win every battle. Oh, it's never. just kind of the way that it works. And don't get me wrong. At the end of the day, 
most of us work at an organization and that has to generate money yep. and that's how we're able to do what we do. And I'm not going to sit here and go, oh no, the companies that want to generate money, they just don't care about safety. That's not what I'm saying. But we have to also understand that there's certain parameters that we have to fall into. And I don't think that anybody that is an upper management or the C-suite has the intention of getting a worker injured. I don't think that that's their plan, but at the same time, they know that there's a value to what they can bring in if they have to stop production and so on. But some of those conversations from time to time have to be had. Absolutely. And I, I, I actually was really excited when I was interviewing with, with my organization because someone had told me they were, they were kind of like, you know, don't, don't get angry at us when we tell you this, but they were like, they kind of had to explain it, but they said safety is second here. And I was like, Oh, tell me, tell me more about this. And they said, well, you know, we care a lot about the quality of our projects, but we also accept that, you know, you can't have quality without safety and you can't have, you know, safety without, you know, high quality processes and products and whatnot. So, um, you know, I, but I've noticed that that's not exactly true. I think that safety is such a, a value and I don't like to call it a priority because priorities change day to day. You know, on Monday, my priority was this, but on Wednesday, it might be something totally different because, you know, there's time change or whatever. Um, but it really is a top value because, you know, um, it, it, everyone cares so much about each other. And, uh, you know, sometimes it just, it affects the way that I have to sell things to people, but it's, it's definitely something that, um, people care a lot about sometimes to the point where I'm like, man, I really wish we had something else to focus on today. <laughs> you know, sometimes I'm like, has anyone ever told you, you care a little too much about safety, but it's, it's definitely something that's just so ingrained in the way that we operate that it's, it's, it's just a naturally a part of everything we do. And I find that so interesting. It's well, I think, I think it's funny that you mentioned that because the last person that came on here and told me that safety is not a priority, but safety is a value. His last name is Geller. Oh my goodness. I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm being, I am being dead serious. He went through a whole segment when we were having the conversation where he said, if you look at safety as a priority, or excuse me, if you look at safety as a value and not a priority, look at it this way. He goes, if you wake up late and you're running late, you will put your clothes on because that is a value to you. Yeah. If it, or excuse me, if it, yeah, if it's a value to you. So how important that actually is. So I think it's kind of funny that you bring that up. And then the other portion is, you know, I know that you referenced that, you know, people think that you're too safe at times. <laughs> but the, the funny thing about the, about that is when something does occur, isn't it interesting that the people that deem that you're too safe are the first ones that come to you with, can you assist? Oh, yeah. Um, and I, I find sometimes, you know, I I love to tell people, um, you know, like if we're, you know, joking around, like some of my, my friends on the weekend or whatever, they'll be like, like uh, recently on a, on a snow day, um, my husband was painting and I told him, like, be careful just because, like, it's kind of a joke. Like, I'm. I don't usually say that to people, but, um, you know, he's like, yeah, I will. And I heard this crash a little bit later and I felt so bad. And one of my, my friends was like, you know, I feel like that shouldn't happen in the home of a, a safety professional. I was like, yeah, you, you would think that, but, uh, my brother lives down the street and he also uh, is a safety professional. And my dad like mm -hmm. fell through the ceiling there the other day. So, you know, nine to five, <laughs> we, uh, we all have our <laughs> <Then vices. laughs> Did the question come up? Where's the fall protection? Absolutely, it did. Yeah, well, yeah, it, it definitely did. And I always tell, um, you know, uh, I I hate to give training on things that I don't do, and I'm very honest with people about it. Like I, uh, I'm 
I, don't, I always tell people when I do like forklift training, I'm like, you know, I, I don't drive a forklift and that's for your safety. And they all kind of like stop and they look at me like, are you kidding? I'm like, look, everybody has, has their thing that they're just not great at. And mine is driving black Corolla. Watch out. It's rough. <laughs> and they're always kind of like, Oh, okay. But you know, it, it, it helps, I think, establish that credibility that, you know, I'm not going to stand up there and, and act like I know everything and pretend that, oh, you know, because I have this job title, I'm so fancy and I know all the things. It's like, no, I'm going to ask you guys if this makes sense to you, you know, because you've had the experience of driving the forklift because you are, you know, not a terrible driver. It, it seems to help quite a bit. And, you know, I think just, you know, owning up to people, letting them know, like, hey, you know, not everybody is perfect. And again, like failure is normal, like, you know. Yeah, I, I care a lot about safety. It is my, my passion, but, you know, I make mistakes outside of here, too. I mean, I've done some stupid things, and thankfully I still have all my fingers and my toes and all my limbs and whatnot, but, you know, sometimes we all have close calls, and and it's something that, you know, I think what defines uh, a person's value of safety as well is how they look at those close calls. You know, do you learn from it? Do you just kind of brush it off like, woohoo, that was a relief, and you move on, and you just don't think about it again? Well, that's the funny part is because when I used to work inside of organizations, that's the whole thing. They expect you to be the near perfect person in regards of anything that's related to safety because you're the safety gal, safety guy. And that's how, and then, or everybody be safe. The safety person is coming down the hallway. And I, I always, I always find it interesting on how, on how people look at that without coming to the realization that, yes, we are fallible. All people are fallible. And that's just kind of the way that it actually works. Mm-hmm. I mean, we try to make the, the best of the situation. And then you reference something there that I deem near miss. And I think that a lot of organizations have a hard time talking about near misses because they don't have a lot of trust inside of the organization. Oh, yeah. And I'm talking from, from the worker's perspective, because let's say, for instance, that you tell a worker, okay, you can report a near miss. We're not going to hold you accountable for it. But they always have that thought that when review season comes about, they're going to question if that's going to come up in the back of the person's mind. It's kind of the way that it works. Absolutely. You know, it's it's so funny that you mentioned that because I think a lot of organizations also define near miss, you know, very differently. And and, you know, you and I, the way that we define a near miss, I mean, you know, if I'm like if I handle a part full of birds without gloves on that, that's a near miss. You know, I could have been injured, but I wasn't because of whatever reason, you know, but a lot of people I think define a near miss as, Oh, I slipped, but I didn't fall or, Oh, I I almost got hit by a forklift, which um, happened to one of my um, production supervisors the other day. And he came up to tell me about it. And he was like, you know, I have been here for X amount of years and I have never almost been hit by a forklift. I'm like, Really? Because I get almost hit by a forklift like all the time, which is why we're retraining everybody because we have some really bad habits. I'm grateful that didn't happen to you. And we're going to, you know, we're going to, you know, take care of this and, you know, do the right thing. But, you know, I, I find that hard to believe. And it's OK if you, you know, maybe that hasn't happened to you. But, you know, we, we've got to make some changes and it's OK to, you know, report these near misses because I'm, I'm not out to be a disciplinarian. I am not in the business of public shaming or of, you know, getting people in trouble. I hate getting in trouble. Everyone hates getting in trouble. You know, I'm here to, you know, say what went wrong, how can we make it right, and how can we learn from it as a group? Well, the question becomes, does the safety people wear a different color high-vis inside of the inside of where the yes. actual okay maybe maybe that's it i'm just throwing that out there i'm yep. being of course sarcastic about it but <laughs> yeah but the, th- uh, those are the the safety mm-hmm. ye- the the uh the safety yellow versus the safety orange you know who screws up where's the yellow or whatever oh boy yeah 
<laughs> you, you, you never know. Um, but I'm, I'm just saying that sarcastically. But I mean, it's just always interesting because that's the whole thing. I don't think most safety people want to be disciplinarians. And a lot of people look at that from that perspective. And it's just one of those things that it's like, understand the disconnect there. If I wanted to do something that holds you accountable all the time, I'd be crying about, oh, you're not doing this right. You didn't walk this way. You weren't between these lines. And I don't think that that's what a lot of safety people do. Now, there are some places that I've been to where they do act that way. Mm -hmm. And I want to reference something real quick before I forget. You were talking about near misses in the reporting. I was at an organization, and you're probably going to chuckle at this, where I'm sitting inside of a meeting, and this lady turns around and she says, I want to report a near miss. So I'm kind of waiting for something kind of big. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to reference this because you said about the slipping thing. And she goes, in the parking lot for the last four days, there has been a packet of ketchup that I could have slipped on when I was walking in. Okay. And then someone else inside of that same meeting turned around and went, I have seen the packet of ketchup too. And I agree with you. And I'm just like, this thing's been sitting there for four days and nobody decided to pick this thing up. Oh boy. But I didn't understand how they deemed this a near miss. I was like, this makes no sense to me. Yeah. But they continued on in the meeting. Like, this was a very serious thing. I was like, well, number one, you could have just picked it up and actually just really just taken care of the problem. Yeah. And wouldn't a branch or an acorn be like more dangerous than a packet of ketchup? Well, you know, the acorn, if you step on it and it bursts, it's not going to look like blood. So there's that. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's very yeah. interesting. I, I, I deal or I interact, I shouldn't say deal because that's a terrible term, um, with a lot of interesting organizations. I'll, I'll put it that way. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> I've used that word. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm sure there's better terminology, but. Colorful. That's I like the, colorful. That's, yeah. <laughs> uh, this is a, this is a PG rated show, Very so good. I try to keep it as clean as possible. So. Let me just ask a strange question. If people want to know more about you, is there anywhere they can find you, LinkedIn, so on, or anything to that extent? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I'm really bad at checking my LinkedIn. And I, I, I've also, you know, realized the, the downfall of LinkedIn. Um, you know, I, I love building this network of safety professionals that I've never met. But then you get people who are like, no, I see that you know so-and-so. I'm like, oh, actually, I don't. Sorry. But we're LinkedIn buddies, so there's that. Um, yeah, no, my, my name is Katie Romo. They can find me on LinkedIn spelled just like Tony Romo, not related. Sorry. Although to some people that's been a really <laughs> good thing. <laughs> I was going to say, that's probably a good thing. Yeah, no. Especially because you're not based out of Texas. Especially that. No, it's not, you know, everybody's <laughs> like, well, he's from Wisconsin. I'm like, yeah, I know. But you know, it's <laughs> Romo is my married name. So my, my, um, my maiden name was Stanovich and my, my cousin is actually just got hired on for the Packers. So woohoo. Oh, We're awesome. very proud. <laughs> It's exciting, but yeah, um, no, I'm, I'm always interested in, you know, hearing from other people. And, um, I think, uh, safety is kind of an, an odd field in that it's like, we almost don't know how to talk about it when we're, when we're not at work because it's like, I feel sometimes like I get in this pitfall and this rut where I'm like, oh, safety so dumb. Why do I do it? You know, it's so stressful and it's so hard and nobody listens. And, you know, we all have our bad days, but it's, it, you know, the more that I see how many people are so passionate about it and, you know, many of those people don't. You know, they're not a safety professional by trade, but, you know, they kind of came into the role, uh, you know, whether they got hurt years ago or what have you. But, um, you know, it's great to have those conversations and to, to be involved. It's fantastic. Well, I'll, I'll tell you when I run into people that are not familiar with what kind of work I do, I tell them that I'm an evangelist. Do you really? And that, nor <laughs> that normally <laughs> stops the conversation relatively quick. Um, 
And I, I look at it that I'm a safety evangelist. I used to think that I was like a safety salesperson, but then I was like, eh, somebody, I was interviewing someone and they were like, we're evangelists. And I was like, boom, I'm stealing it and I'm going with it. And I'll tell you, it stops a lot of conversations relatively quick because they don't know what I'm going to start talking about. And I, when I was younger, I used to say I was an inspirational speaker, but then that kind of changed. <laughs> yeah, that, that might not go over well. No, I'm, it's, I'm never really sure, you know, what to tell people. Like, I'll be like, oh, you know, I work in risk management or I'm, you know, uh, I, I've, I've explained it before when I just, you know, don't feel like hogging the conversation, which I'm kind of bad at. Um, I'll tell people, oh, you know, like, you know, are you familiar with OSHA? I'm like, oh, yeah, I know. I'm like, I'm the person that tries to, you know, prevent them from being angry, if you will. And that seems to kind of explain it a little bit. Um, I, I recently learned within like the past couple of years, because I'm kind of out of the loop, I think, on pop culture. But uh, I guess Homer Simpson from The Simpsons is like a safety person or something. So I, I sometimes I feel like I could use that. But I don't know if I want to line myself up with, oh, yeah, I do what Homer does because mm, <laughs> he's not the greatest. <laughs> yeah, see, I'm not familiar with that show, so I'm terrible to I'm be able to answer either. that. I'm not either. But I mean. But they make safety posters of him. Like you can buy lines of Homer Simpson safety posters and they're, they're kind of entertaining sometimes. So. Oh, nice. Yeah. I Very mean, nice. it depends on personal preference, I guess. I'm <laughs> not into it, but some people know what it is because of that. So, okay. Well, well I think it's funny because you you talked about mentioning the true and risk management. Mm -hmm. And I think it's funny because how old I am, of course, most of the times when I say that, or when I would say it in the past, better saying people would give me the quote from, the, I think the movie came out like in 1994 or so that was called Fight Club. And they Fight would want Club. to give me the line of, yeah, they wanted to give me a whole line of that there's a portion of the movie on how they're actually determined if they're going to do a, like a car recall and how they factor it. And I'm just like, no, that's not exactly what I do. Not but exactly sure, sure. If that's what you want to believe. <laughs> <laughs> Care about the same stuff. Yeah, it's, um, I, I think I had someone ask me once and I was like, oh yeah, I work in risk management. They're like, are you a security guard? Like, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, that'd be kind of interesting, but no, I mean, no, I, I, you know, I, when people kind of ask like, oh, can you kind of explain what you do? I'm like, yeah, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm like a combination of everything I wanted to be growing up. You know, I'm a teacher. I'm a little bit of a nurse here and there. I'm, you know, uh, a lawyer. Uh, I get to play Nancy Drew sometimes a little too excitedly. And it's a lot of fun because I, I get to do so many different things that I'm interested in. And that's why I love this field. And sometimes it's, it gets, you know, hard when you have to take off one hat and put on the other, but you know, it's fun. I don't know about that because I was listening to another interview that you're on and there was a portion where you said cow washer and I didn't hear that in that little, in that little spiel right there. Yeah, no, I left the cow <laughs> behind, but I, I have been the bird police in the past. I've, uh, I had, um, uh, in my, my first job right after school, um, somehow I got this reputation as being like the person you call when a bird gets stuck in the building, which I was like, Hey, I'm, I really, I love wildlife. I'm a absolute tree hugger, but I am not a, a hawk catcher. That's not what I do. You know, so, like I, I remember someone was like, Oh, we found a nest of baby birds on a pallet. And then one day it was, um, Oh, there's a, there's a hawk in the plants. And it was like, okay, well, first of all, stop throwing things at it. It's just going to make it mad. But you know, I, I guess we can call like a wildlife rehab, you know, facility and see what they say to do. And that helped. But, um, the day I realized it had gone too far was when someone called and said, help, there is a Turkey running loose on the axle line. And I got there and someone had brought it in because they felt bad for the Turkey. So it's like, Oh, I thought you're, I thought you were going to say that they brought it in because they were trying to present you with a challenge. No, that was a bag of spiders. <laughs> that was different. No, I've, oh, yeah, I've, nice. I've been handed a sack full of live black widows. That was fun. 
Oh, that's very kind. I'm sure there was a visit to HR shortly thereafter. I wish, <laughs> but it was like a legitimate safety concern. I was telling someone this story recently because yesterday a spider like came down from the ceiling in my office and I cried because I hate spiders. And um, I screamed like a little girl. It was terrible. Uh, but no, um, there was like this whole issue with these military trucks that, you know, my company worked on and they like had been sitting out in like a field waiting to be sent back to be, you know, inspected before being sent back out into the field. And they're like, Oh yeah, well we sprayed them when they were out in the lot, but we're still having a problem with spiders. I'm like, Oh, okay. That's interesting. A few days went by and my boss called and was like, Hey, uh, you're not afraid of spiders. Are you? I'm like, uh, he's like, yeah, I know you are, but too bad. You have to do this. I'm not here. And you're the only one that, you know, I feel like is scared enough to know what these things look like. Can you um, go tell the guys up at, um, you know, such and such plant uh if the spider they caught is a brown recluse or not like are you joking and i get there and they're like oh yeah we also have this and it was just like these bags of like living black widows and wolf spiders and it wasn't a brown recluse but then they're like one of them may have escaped it's like oh i don't want to be here <laughs> it was rough <laughs> I think you just scared off all the young safety professionals that were looking into getting into the business. Maybe. <laughs> maybe they would feel better if they knew that I, you know, embarked on a really brave journey to catch the wolf spider that was hiding in the wall in my office. And I succeeded after several weeks of, you know, playing cat and mouse with the spider. You know, it's, it's you get because you have safety in your job title, you can go to facilities and say, I, I need, you know, a can of raid. And like, oh, yeah, what, for what for? I'm like, just being safe. And like, oh, OK, here you go. So you have that on your side. Yeah, that always works. So Katie, if you don't mind me asking, if you wanted to give a word of encouragement to people that are actually starting off in the field, what would you tell them? Don't give up. I mean, this job is hard. It's emotionally hard on you. I mean, there are days where you just want to go home and cry. There are times where you need to sit in your car and scream. I mean, it is a labor of love. But, you know, if this is what you feel you're meant to do, don't let the bad times keep you from, you know, living it out and going further. And don't be afraid to ask for help either. I mean... No one expects you to know everything. And I kind of came to that realization a couple weeks ago that um, in safety, I don't think what you need to know, it's great if you do, but you don't think what you need to know is, you know, everything about being a machinist or everything about how machines work or, you know, how buildings are built. I think you need to understand people and how um, people are motivated and what helps them to change. Because if you understand that, and if you understand how to communicate with people, you'll be so much more effective than the person that just tries to know everything. And that's what, that's what I would tell my younger self anyway, I think. Well, Katie, I really appreciate you coming on to safety FM. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me again. I'm, I'm so honored. So I've, I've really appreciated the opportunity and uh, I, I look forward to hearing your future episodes. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system or transmitted in any any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen. SafetyFM.com So do you feel like you're missing out on what everyone is starting to do now, that live streaming thing, and you don't know where to start or what to do? 
I have the resource and the information to provide to you in regards on how you can stream onto 40 social media platforms all at one time. Yes, that's 44-0 social media platforms all at one time. All you'll need to do is go to safetyfm.com forward slash one. That's safetyfm.com forward slash one. That's O-N-E. So just in case, and you'll be able to start live streaming just like you're hearing people starting to do right now up to 40 social media platforms.